Okay, let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, and if you did not get the handout, slip up your hand. A couple young men in the back will grab some real quickly and start passing them out. Keep your hand up if you did not get one. Thank you for coming. Thank you for just being faithful to Sunday school, Bible study. Thanks for Pastor Luke giving up his time to teach to allow me to do it. That's Pastor Luke is a great man. He is. I got to say that or he won't let me teach. <laughs> You're not too bad either. <laughs> it's not only what you say, but it's who to know to say it to that counts in this world. <laughs> I think I might be a little bit loud. Okay, all right. Okay, because I'm just whispering right now. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just whispering and it's real loud. So I, if I get fired up, these guys up here have bad ears. Okay, of course, the verses are on here, but Ephesians chapter 2 sort of our theme, but uh, verse number 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. That's why it's grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. We covered that last week. And then this week's lesson is centered around verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So last week we said that God gives four kinds of grace for four specific purposes. And last week we talked about saving grace. And uh, if it wasn't for saving grace, we'd have no other kind of grace. Amen. But it doesn't stop right there. And uh, I said at the first lesson that many people whom I hear talk about grace, uh, you listen to people on the TV, radio, and even songs we listen to, uh, they don't really understand the depth of grace. I don't believe. I just focus on one part of it. So it's not fair to talk about saving grace without talking about why we have saving grace. What's the purpose of saving grace? And of course, the real purpose we'll see today is to save us from hell. That's why that's what it's all about, save us from hell. And uh, I'll probably say something about this in the morning service, but God didn't save us to be nice, even though when you get saved, should make you nice, amen? <laughs> As Mac Check's been saved 50 years, she should be real nice. <coughs> Didn't say yes. So it goes to show that that's true. A lot of things happen when we get saved. But God saved us to keep us from going to hell. That was the main, main purpose. But it's not fair to talk about that without talking about the other part of grace. So our lesson says, first bullet, God saved us. By grace, so we could serve by grace. Salvation and service go together. When we get saved, we're to begin serving. When we get saved, we're to begin doing something for Jesus. That's what it's all about. So, but sadly, many Christians get saved and they never begin serving. And we had a great week of soul winning this week. And Jerome and I went Friday night and had one of the most amazing 
soul winning nights, and last night I had a good soul winning night. All this week has just been great. But sadly, many of those people who prayed and asked the Lord to save them, they'll never serve the Lord for a few reasons. Number one, probably because they won't get discipled and uh, praying that God will send somebody to disciple them, that they'll get in a good church. We hope they'll come here. If they come here, they'll get discipled. But uh, God's plan is for them to, to serve him. But uh, thank God they get saved. They're going to go to heaven. But God wants to serve him. So they go together. So the next bullet, we are delivered from the law so we can serve, Romans 7, 6 says. God delivered us from the law so that we could serve. We talked about last week and the week before that the law is a good thing. The law is, a, the, law is the soul winner. The law brings us to Christ and shows us our need for Christ. And when we read the law, we can't boast, as we learned last week, that we are keeping the law. We read the law and we say, I need something that will save me because I've failed to keep God's law. I have not done what God wanted me to do. I've not loved God with all my heart. And uh, I've not uh, obeyed God. I've not kept his law. So when God delivers us, saves us, he delivers us from the curse of the law. He delivers us from, from the, under the yoke of the law to have relationship with him when he delivers us he did that so we could serve that's why we're delivered and uh, if you hired if you're a boss and you hired someone gave them a job you delivered them from their uh, need you delivered them from their poverty you blessed them by giving them a job but you didn't do that just to give them a job you did that so they could serve so god delivered us so we could serve i'm delivered to serve and uh, because you're saved, you're delivered to serve. So we hear people say, oh, I'm saved by grace. I'm not under the law. And uh, there's, there's no works I have to do. We know that's true. But at the same time, when we get saved, God did that and delivered us so that we'd become God's servants. The next uh, bullet, we are free to serve. We're free to serve. Romans 6.18 one of my testimony verses the bible says the things that i used to be a slave to i was a slave to sin and uh, everybody who's <laughs> sinned knows what it means to be a slave uh, uh, everyone who's under sin knows about slavery and you know slavery is a terrible thing we sorry that america had slaves we're sorry that people that were, that were slaves but there's, a, but there's even a worse kind of slavery, and that's to be a slave to sin. I was a slave to sin. It was my master. Satan was my master. Sin was my master. And I, when I got up, I had to sin. That was, you know, it was just, I had to do it. I had to smoke that joint. I had to do, go to that party. I had to do those things because I was a slave to it. But when God freed me, God freed you. And again, the, remember the lessons are a testimonial. So if I say things that some of you look at like a calf at a new gate, we'd say in Kentucky. Uh, this is my testimony. And also, if, you're, if you pay attention, this is not a soul winning lesson, but if you are paying attention, you'll be, able, you'll be a better soul winner if you pay attention to all these lessons that we talk about. So God freed us so that we could serve, serve him. That's why we're free so that we can serve. Romans 1.1, 1, 1, Paul said, 
Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. The word for servant there is a bond slave. Paul said, I'm a doulos. I'm a bond slave to Jesus Christ. And the, the world will never understand this concept. Probably people in this room who will never understand this concept. And that is this. True freedom is being a slave to Jesus. That's what true freedom. And unless someone's a slave to Jesus, they do not know what freedom's all about. And I don't claim to be some kind of great example of that. I just happen to know a little bit about it. That when you're a slave to Jesus, it's free. When you're a slave to Jesus, it's like you don't have to fear what anybody else thinks about you. When we're a slave to Jesus, we don't have to worry about... You know, where we preach the gospel, when we preach the gospel. We don't have to worry about our uh, family getting upset with us. We don't have to worry about the government getting upset with us. We don't have to worry about our neighbors getting upset with us. We don't want people to get upset with us. But when we're a slave to Jesus, uh, it's, just, it's just freeing. It's very freeing. And uh, so, again, I wish I was more of a slave to Jesus. I wish that I was practicing more of what I'm telling you about. And so... We'll talk about that in the morning service a little bit. Okay, uh, next bullet. Jesus was sacrificed by God so that we could serve. Romans 9.14. Excuse me, Hebrews 9.14. I'm going to read this verse because it's such a powerful, I know it's up there, but this this would be a series in itself, this one verse. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, Offered himself without spot to God. And again, the amazing thing is Jesus offered himself. I preached this at camp. That uh, uh, God said, who, 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 can, who will go? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. But Isaiah wasn't the first person to do that. Amen. Jesus in heaven, in eternity, said to God the Father, here am I, send me. God Sent Jesus, but he didn't make Jesus come. God gave Jesus, but he didn't make Jesus come. Jesus volunteered to come and die on the cross. And we see that in this verse. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. God gave his son to save me so I could serve him. What a terrible slap in God's face that he would give his son and we would not serve him. That he would give his son to give his blood and sacrifice. And we would not live for him. And so uh, it's, it's sort of a, this is another lesson, but it's sort of a fearful thing to realize that one day I'm going to stand before a God who gave his son for me. And I was supposed to serve him because of that. And so uh, <coughs> Josh and others that were at camp heard this story so many times, I Picked on Ryan a little bit, but uh, I, to- I told the story about a lady in England I just recently read about. She taught, she's taught Sunday school 63 years in the same church. And I said, I don't want to st- be standing behind that lady at the judgment seat of Christ. <laughs> It'd be awful embarrassing to be standing behind that lady when the Lord's giving out rewards. I don't know if that's how it works or not, <coughs> but... Uh, that would be an embarrassing thing to be standing behind that lady <laughs> who's taught 63 years of Sunday school in the same church. So when I get to heaven at the judgment seat of Christ, I'm going to look for some carnal Christian 
I'm going to stand behind him so I'll look a little better <coughs> when the rewards are passed out. <laughs> so that's an amazing thought, isn't it? God sacrificed his son so I could serve him. Wow, that's, that's heavy. The next one, those who do not serve, now we re- will regret it then, as I was just speaking about, the judgment seat of Christ. Jesus said, the, uh, an illustrative parable, of course, but we get the picture. Jesus said there'll be some, but the master will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Of course, we know that picture is the judgment seat of Christ. First uh, Corinthians chapter 3, if you want to read that later, would tell us about that. And Jesus said to the devil in Luke chapter 4, verse 8, when the devil was tempting Jesus to serve the devil, which many of us have done, <coughs> Jesus said, uh, it is written, thou shalt serve the Lord God, love the Lord God, and him only shalt thou serve. So God's the only one that we, that we are to serve. So when we don't serve now, we'll regret it when we stand before the Lord, and we won't hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And again, I... <coughs> There's probably people in this room who say, oh, Pastor Mike's going to hear those words. Well, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I hope I hear those words. Uh, but it would be sad if I didn't hear those words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. So the point is, if we don't serve him, then certainly one day we'll regret it. No, we won't go to hell. No, we won't be punished when we get there. Nothing bad is going to happen to us. But just not hearing those words, I think, would be pretty bad enough. <laughs> That'd be about as close as hell as you can get, not to hear Jesus say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So we want to hear those words. Secondly, we serve by God's grace, not by our ability. We serve by God's grace, not by our ability. These amazing thoughts in Romans chapter 12. The first one is, God gives the faith to serve by his grace. God gives the faith, the Bible says. God gives faith to serve him. So if we do something for God, God gave the faith. That's why the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I could stand up here and teach, maybe in the, uh, in the flesh, and I've been guilty of doing that lots of times. I could serve in the flesh, but when God gives me the faith to do it, it, it works. When God gives me the faith to do it, he blesses it. When God gives me the faith to do it, fruit comes from it. So God even gives us faith to serve. And, so, and by the way, serving God ought to be a little bit of a challenging thing. It ought to be a f- fearful thing. Uh, Ramon said that the other night he's been out so winning, but, but anybody knows when you get out there, it's a little bit of a fearful thing. He said, I've done this before. He said, but I'm a little scared. I said, if we weren't afraid, God, it wouldn't be God's work. <laughs> if we weren't a little fearful, God probably not in it. So when God calls us to do something, we ought to be a little intimidated because we need to say, God, I don't, I don't have the faith to do that. I don't have the strength to do that. And that's when God's pleased. And God says, well, I'll give you the faith, give you the faith to do that. Sort of a <clears throat> discredits those who... Would, would the faith healers who would say, you know, you've got to have faith, you've got to build up, you don't have enough faith, like we can muster up faith, like, you know, uh, uh, like I can have faith. No, God gives us faith. And again, that's another subject, but 
And then secondly, God gives the gifts to serve by his grace. God gives the gifts. When we serve, it's God who gives the gift. If I have the gift of doing something, and you can study Romans chapter 12. Most of you know it yourself, but list all those spiritual gifts there. If I have one of those gifts, God gave it to me. That's why, again, the, uh, the uh, movement I just spoke about is wrong when they tell people to pray to speak in tongues. You don't pray for a gift. God gives you the gift. Uh, it would be just like if I came up to you and I, and I asked you to give me the gift and I told you the gift to give me. <laughs> it's my birthday. Uh, Pastor Luke, will you give me a gift? And here's the gift I want you to give me. <laughs> uh, that wouldn't be a gift at all. So God gives gifts. And uh, I don't know uh, exactly what all the gifts has God has given me. I've been to all those classes. We used to have them here at the home church. We have spiritual gift classes and try to figure out what our gift was. And I came to my own conclusion is most people like to choose what their spiritual gift is. <laughs> and some of you would say, please, God, don't give me this spiritual gift of soul winning. <laughs> I don't want to get out there and do what Pastor Mike does. That's Give that gift to Pastor Mike. He, don't give me the gift of going to India and, and preach. They give that gift to somebody else. But it doesn't work that way. God gives a gift. Amen. And God gave each of us a gift to serve. Isn't that grace? That's double grace. That God would save us. God would allow us to serve him. And then God would give us the faith and the gift to be able to do that. So everybody in here, if, when you got saved, God gave you a spiritual gift. Maybe more than, maybe more. Uh, but uh, tell you what, if we really understood serving God, we wouldn't need but just one, amen? Because <laughs> we'd be so busy serving God that, <clears throat> say, I like five spiritual gifts. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't get any sleep. <laughs> so, no, we just need to say, God, use me. You gave me a gift. You gave me faith. And the amazing thing about Getting into a church like this, a Bible-believing church, uh, I know this was a new Christian. It's not long till we start figuring out that God is using our gift. We have the faintest idea of what we're doing, and uh, one day we find ourselves teaching a Sunday school class. One day we find ourselves singing the worship team, and one day we find ourselves preaching a sermon or whatever, and, and God just puts us together and allows us to, to use our gifts. Okay, so Romans 12, 6 <coughs> reminds us that we didn't earn the gift. God gave them. And then James 1, 17 reminds us every good and perfect gift comes from above. So the application is this. God gave us spiritual gifts. Everyone in this room has got a spiritual gift. And some of us have natural gifts. Some of us have music talents. Some of us have language talents. Some of us have cooking talents and all those things. But the point is... If we've got something, God gave it to us. God gave it to us. And that's, that's, a, that's a humbling thing, that I have nothing that God didn't give me. I cannot do nothing that God didn't give me the faith and the gift to do. I cannot do anything that God didn't give me the ability to do. And that, again, that's <coughs> anti-worldly, right? Because the world says, you know, <coughs> get smart, get educated, nothing wrong with that. Uh, the world says, you know, 
apply yourself and be a self-made man. But the, the Bible makes it clear that God is the one who gets the glory because he gave us the faith, he gave us the gifts. So if you've got something, give God the glory for it. Don't, we can't pat ourselves on the back and say, look what I've got, look what I've done. We say, thank you, God, for giving me this. Thank you for giving me the wisdom to make money. Thank you for giving me the strong back to work hard. Thank you for giving me a good brain that I can learn. Thank you for providing this job. Everything's from God. And by the way, this is how the church works. <clears throat> and everybody who's heard sermons and lessons around here, especially if you've heard me through the years, one of my favorite <coughs> things that I used to preach, and I guess I'll just preach it right now. <laughs> the wonderful thing about coming to church is we really aren't impressed with what kind of car you drove this morning. Once we walk in the church building, your house is, doesn't matter how big your house is, doesn't matter if you've got the best house, the biggest house, <clears throat> doesn't matter what the clothes we wear, when we come into God's house, we're coming and we're using the gifts that God has given us. That's how the church works. There's no big shots in the church of God because God gave us the gift. If God gave me something, I'm, not, I'm nothing special. Uh, you're nothing special. So thank God for the church. That's how it works. That's why we have nursery workers and ushers and preachers and deacons and cleaners and all the things that go together. Soul winners, vacation Bible school workers, children workers. It all works together because that's the church. God gave it that. So when we stand before the Lord, you know, I'm not <clears throat> going to get a special reward because of my gifts, because God gave me those gifts. So wonderful, wonderful concept there. And so God gets the glory. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15:10, I am what I am by the grace of God. I'm only what I am by the grace of God. You cannot boast. And James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud, and he gives more grace to the humble. God gives grace. So when we take credit for something, uh, yes, sometimes people you know, brag on us. That's okay. If you tell me, I don't do this just because I say this, but <laughs> if you said after service, that was a good sermon, Pastor Mike, I would say thank you, but uh, I know who gets the glory. I know... If you say it's a bad sermon, I'll probably just not like you. But anyway, <laughs> if it's a good sermon, God's good. If it's a bad sermon, it's my fault. <laughs> then God gives the power to serve him. You get an amazing thing. He gives the faith, he gives the gifts, and he gives the power to serve him. We could not serve God without his power. Again, that's why serving God ought to be, it ought to be a challenging thing. If we're comfortable, then uh, we probably really aren't exercising the gifts that God has given us because we need power to serve God. We need power to live for God. We need power to speak up for Jesus. Amen. It takes power to tell your neighbor about Jesus. It takes power to give that track to the store clerk. It takes power to teach a lesson. It takes power to preach a sermon. It takes power to work with children takes power to sing a worship song. And again, we can do it in the flesh, but uh, we, God won't get the glory for it, and we won't get rewarded for it. When we do it with God's power, though, it, it works. And Paul made that clear in Ephesians 3, 7, 8. Said Paul, Paul said, God gave me the power 
And he enabled me to preach the gospel to the Gentiles by his power. Verse 8 up there, but verse 7 is one where Paul said, God gave me power. Jesus said to the disciples, Luke 24, 49, Jesus said, I got a big job for you. You're going to go turn the world upside down. But first, you go tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. You know, those, those uh, bumbling disciples, they could have just took off and tried to do it on their own. But Jesus' plan was you wait. And a lot of things happened in those 10 days they were, they were waiting. And it's good to wait for God's power, isn't it? It's good to wait. And uh, I don't know that I've got God's power today. I prayed for it. But uh, this morning I've just been focusing and waiting for God's power. Uh, my wife's prayed for me to have power. My mother-in-law's prayed for me to have power. If my mother-in-law prayed for me to have power and I don't have power, something's wrong. Uh, others have paid for me to have power. Pastor Luke, Pastor Tim, excuse me, I know Pastor Luke's already prayed for me. Pastor Tim sent me a text at 6.30 this morning. I'm glad I was awake. <laughs> he sent me a text at 6.30 this morning saying he was praying for me to have power. And uh, on the way from the, my missions department over there to here, I was still waiting for God's power. I'm waiting for God's power. And so... Jesus said, wait, I'll give you power to serve me. Zechariah 4.6, Zechariah reminds us that it's not by our power. It's not by our might, but it's by the Holy Spirit's power. It's not by our power that we can do anything. So thank you, God, for this. Okay, thank God we can trust in Jesus. Okay, then the last part of the lesson today is... Another camp illustration I gave for those campers that are here. First Timothy. And the last point is we have the privilege to serve God. We have the privilege to serve God. It's a privilege to serve God. So it's not something that we deserve. We've seen that. It's not something we've earned. It's a, it's a privilege to be able to serve, serve our God. Sadly, many people do not understand that concept. Uh, sadly, <clears throat> there's people all over this city, even church members of the home church today, who aren't in church today because they don't understand the privilege of serving God. They don't understand the privilege of getting up or if you lost sleep last night, whatever it is that we go through, it's, it's a privilege to serve, serve the Lord. Again, I think of all the times I served the devil, and uh, I've been serving Jesus 47 years, and I still haven't caught up serving Jesus as much as I served the devil from the time I was about 12 till 24. If I lived to be, to be 100, I probably wouldn't catch up serving Jesus like I served the devil. It's amazing. You can miss sleep and still serve the devil. <laughs> you, you can miss sleep and still go boating. You can miss sleep and still go on vacation. You can miss sleep and still go to work. But we can't miss sleep and still serve God. Sorry that was preaching. I probably <laughs> apologize for that. Okay, <laughs> First Timothy 1.14. Uh, we have the privilege to serve God by his grace. I'll read that one. 
soon as I get the first Timothy. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Paul's giving his testimony and telling what God has done for him, what Paul had done in the past. And Paul said that God's grace was abundant. By his grace, I have the privilege of serving him. Paul said in verse 11, this is the first privilege that Paul says. We can mention many others. And it seemed like that this is one of those scriptures that was written for me. It seems like that this is, you know, if I, like I said about a good song, is a song that I would have written. Uh, and if I was uh, the Apostle Paul or if I was writing my own testimony, it's so similar to what, what I would say. But it's a privilege to be trusted with the gospel. Verse 11, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. Paul said, God trusted me with the gospel. That's a privilege. It's a great privilege. And let me just say this, that that's what the home church is entrusted with, the gospel. You know, we do so many things. I was just thinking this week of all the different lives that have been touched, all the teenagers that went to youth camp, all the 300 kids that in BBS. We had 31 college and career age students that passed to Luke and Lena's the other night. And uh, every age has been touched this week. And we're doing so many things. We're, we're busy. But let me remind us that the reason why we're busy, the reason why we should be busy, we've been entrusted with the gospel. We haven't been entrusted to make people feel nice. We haven't been entrusted to give people a nice place to come to, even though this is a great place to come, that, that helps us. We've been entrusted with the gospel. That's what, that's what God trusted us with. It's, very, it's the greatest treasure outside of Jesus he could have given us, to be trusted with that. That's a great privilege to be able to do that. So that's, I don't live up to that, but that's one reason why I at least do what I do, because I've been entrusted with that. And the, just imagine walking with me this week, I've been studying this lesson, and every person I've came across and looked at, I've had this, I've been trusted with the gospel. That would make a difference in your life. You won't pass up anybody if you can. And, and the other night, Mo and I was talking to this one guy, and there was a guy on the porch. He got offended because we weren't talking to him. It's usually the opposite way. It's usually the one of So we're talking to one guy, and the guy on the porch got real offended he was making it a racial thing. <laughs> and I looked at him, I said, I was getting to you. <laughs> he didn't know that, but uh, yeah. he wasn't going to go escape. Cause, yeah. I said, I'm getting to you. You just hang on right there. So, because uh, I've been trusted with the gospel. What a great privilege that is. Secondly, it's the privilege to be in the ministry. Verse number 12. I thank Christ Jesus, the Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Uh, when life is tough, sometimes we say, why did you put me in the ministry? <laughs> but, uh, but when we've uh, got our senses about us and we're right with God, we say, thank you, God, for putting me into the ministry. Thank you, Lord. And I preached this at youth camp. Any, any, I used to criticize pastors who quit the ministry until I was in it for about 20 years. And I, and I know why they quit the ministry. And if somebody's still pastoring after 20, 30, 40 years and didn't quit the ministry, 
they deserve a thousand medals, that's for sure. Because uh, the ministry is not easy. It's not a, not a cakewalk, that's for sure. But it, we have a privilege. So, so Paul said, you put, him, put me in the ministry. There's two kinds of ministry in the church. Uh, there's, everybody's in ministry. Uh, you know, uh, the job of the church isn't Pastor Tim and Pastor Luke. Everybody's in ministry. Everybody's a minister. We're all servants is what the word minister means. We're all servants. But there is the ministry that God would privilege somebody to say, I will let you spend your life in ministry. I'll let you give your life for ministry. I'll let you be consumed by ministry. And uh, that's another lesson, but there's pastors and preachers who've uh, lost their family over that. Adonai and Judson. There's pastors and preachers who went to jail over that. There's, they've lost friends over that. They've lost their health over that. They've burned out over that. But it was a privilege. It was a privilege to be in the ministry. Anything we do for Jesus is a privilege. And we can feel sorry for ourselves, but it's a privilege. If, you, if you're tired from serving Jesus, it's a privilege. If you lost sleep from serving Jesus, it's a privilege. If your back's hurting from serving Jesus, it's a privilege. Those things are going to happen if we're living for the world. We might as well do it for Jesus. Amen? Okay. <laughs> then lastly, it's a privilege to be saved, Paul said in verse 15. It's a privilege to be saved. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of, who, of whom I am the chief. Paul said it's a great privilege to be saved. A wonderful privilege. It's a great privilege to be a child of God. What a privilege we have that the world doesn't know about. I just read a sad statistic yesterday. Uh, we knew that this was coming, but there's, ex there's almost exactly the same amount of Muslims in the world now as there are Christians. Uh, almost, uh, I think it's almost two billion two billion for each one. Almost exact same. And <clears throat> that ought not to be. <laughs> that, ought, that ought not to be. But at the same time, thank God I'm a Christian. Thank God I'm not a Hindu. Thank God I'm not some, some uh, 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 false religion. Paul said, I, I'm the chiefest of sinners. I don't have time to develop this story, but I'll just tell you real quickly because I shared something about it in college. I said I'd say something about it in Sunday school, and I'll say something about the morning service, but I was, uh, went, started talking to a guy from Germany, and then ended up preaching to him. He was here, he's here in Lodi, studying at a monastery, and so when I was witnessing to him, and I went through the track, and I got to the sinner's prayer, and I <coughs> was praying the sinner's prayer, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner who deserves hell, and he did what some people do when they get there, he just, whoa, he said, I can't say that I'm a sinner. He said, I said, why? He said, because it'll bring neg negativity into my life if I say that I'm a sinner. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, I preached to him and said, I said, that's why you can't be saved, because you will not admit that you're a sinner. Paul said that this is a saying worthy of all acceptation. Christ Jesus came to all to save sinners, and who I'm in the chief, so. Thank God we confess that we're sinners, and Jesus saves us. 
Well, I'm going to ask the person who seemed to be the most excited today to lead us in prayer, and that's Josh. Dismiss us in prayer, Josh. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.